Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Luke. The Gospel Record of Luke and chapter number 11. The Gospel Record of Luke and chapter number 11. We're continuing with the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ as given to us through the Gospel Record of Luke. And at this time, Jesus Christ is beginning to take his long journey back from his headquarters of Capernaum and taking the march down to Jerusalem. When he eventually arrives in Jerusalem, he is going to be crucified on the cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, and risen again the third day. In between that time, Jesus Christ is working quite a bit with his disciples. And remember, that's the great theme of the Gospel record of Luke, is that it's always working with disciples, bringing the people to a place where they're developing the habit of obedience to Christ, where they're making decisions to follow after him. And once again, we find the disciples around the Lord Jesus Christ. We find this together, this scene, in the Gospel record of Luke chapter number 11. The Gospel record of Luke chapter 11 and notice with me in verse number 1. Luke 11 chapter 1 or chapter 11 verse 1. And it came to pass that as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that's indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you have, uh, shall have a friend, and shall go to him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will, and he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, for the door is now shut, and I can, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. If a son shall ask uh, bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give 
the Holy Spirit to them that ask. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Luke chapter 11? The gospel record of Luke chapter 11, and notice with me in verse number 13. The gospel record of Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, notice the end phrase, talk about give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. Give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. And with that, I'd like to change the title to this, prayer is getting God. Prayer is getting God. And with the Lord's help, we want to encourage your prayer life tonight through this passage as the Lord Jesus Christ taught his disciples, prayer is getting God. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, I'm just asking that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds, help us to open up the scriptures that we may learn more of you. Thank you for this time that you taught your disciples and help us to understand what you were teaching your disciples and how we can apply this to our everyday life, that our prayer life can be more effective, that our prayer life can be more alive, that our prayer life can be more like yours. Thank you, Lord. Fill me with your spirit now and guide and direct and get a wonderful work accomplished through your word. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you don't mind, the very first thing I'd like to show you here is our motive for praying. Our motive for praying. And chapter 11 and verse 1, Jesus Christ has just finished praying. In fact, this is the seventh time in the gospel record of Luke that it is specifically mentioned about Jesus praying. And so it says, it came to pass that as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him. So what had happened as Jesus was praying and taking his time praying, his disciples were there and they were listening. Could you imagine what it would be like to be with Jesus when he is praying out loud? To hear what his prayers would be like. To hear what he is speaking about. To hear him talk to his father. And the one thing that the disciples knew was that Jesus' prayer life was different. There was something different about his prayer life. And because of this, the disciples had seen Jesus pray quite a bit. And finally, they get curious enough. They get brave enough to ask Jesus a question. And so it talks about that one of the disciples, and you can imagine that they were all talking and pushing each other and say, you ask, no, you ask, and you ask, no. And finally, it was probably Peter that they push up front and say, uh, Jesus, uh, we, we had a question from you. And notice what they asked him. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, chapter 11 and verse 1, there's a very key. Make sure that we read it properly. Because so often, we'd ask people, what did the disciples ask? And they'll say, teach us to pray. That is the wrong answer. They did not ask Jesus how to pray. They asked Jesus to pray as John taught his disciples. 
Remember the context. They just finished watching Jesus pray. And as Jesus finished praying, they said there's something different about the way that they prayed. Now, they're not asking how do we pray because they've been taught to pray. Remember, these are Jewish men and Jewish people have been taught how to pray ritualistic all of their life. That they've been taught that there's certain prayers that you pray in the morning. There's certain prayers that you pray before your evening meal. There's certain prayers that you pray in holidays. And they had a list of prayers that they're taught. And they become a lot of liturgical prayers. A lot of ritualistic prayers. A lot of repeating prayers. We have the same things. Now I lay me down to sleep or rub-a-dub-dub. Please thank you for this grub. You know, we have our little ritualistic prayers. But Jesus was praying and his prayers were not ritualistic. It was just like if he was talking to God because he was talking to God. And the the disciples had enough discernment that they said, the way that he is praying is a lot different than we pray. And so they finally had enough bravery to say, Lord, teach us to pray. And they didn't quite say as Jesus prayed. They said John taught his disciples to pray, meaning that John prayed differently too. And he taught his disciples to pray differently. And so they're coming. So teach us to pray just like you pray. Teach us to pray just like John taught us. We want to pray differently. We want to pray like you do. There's something different about the prayers. And so as we start off, we see our motive for praying here. This is a good question. What is your motive for praying? Is your motive for praying to actually talk to God? Or is your motive for praying more religious more ritual, more liturgical? Is it more just, I'm just getting my prayer time in. I'm just checking this off. Do you have little token prayer that I can't go to sleep until I say, now I lay me down to sleep if I shall die before I wake. There are certain times that people just use those as rituals. They're not talking to God. They just know that I say this at the right time and I say this at this time and I say this at this time. We know that many of our Catholic friends They have the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, uh, memorized. And they say it just almost as a ritual thing. There's no meaning behind it. But it's become their comfort. It's become their source. But they're not talking to God. They're repeating some words strung together. Our motive for praying should be to be actually talking with the Lord. Now, in this passage, what Jesus Christ is going to do is he's going to answer their question As they asked it. Remember they did not ask. Teach us to pray. They said teach us to pray. Like you prayed. We want to pray like you prayed. And Jesus is going to use the rest of this time. To answer their question. Because it's a good question. And the rest of this passage. Is going to be in direct context. To that prayer request. Teach us to pray. Like you pray. Now, if you don't mind, because we know context doesn't begin at chapter and verse divisions, let's see a second thing here. One thing is needful. One thing is needful. Notice with me in chapter 10, in the couple verses above where we were at. And chapter 10, starting at verse number 38. Chapter 10 and verse number 38. This is going to go in context with Jesus teaching about praying. This is why it's placed here. Notice with me in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. <clears throat> And now it came to pass as they went that he, Jesus, entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him 
into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary had chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So here's this account. That Jesus has stopped by his favorite step stopping place in Bethany and the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And he made this his abode where he, every time he'd get close, he would always stay at this house. And could you imagine what it would be like to have Jesus come to your house? Now for guys, it's no big deal. But for ladies... To have Jesus come to your house, that's a big deal. Because you got to clean the house, you got to dust the, dust the window seals, you got to get the dishes, you got to put everything different, you got to put the magazines, you got to straighten up the bookshelf, you got to hide some DVDs, you got to do all kinds of things to make it presentable for Jesus to come. And that's a lot of work. But the work doesn't stop when Jesus gets here. Now you got to prepare the meals. Remember, they don't have microwaves and they don't have fast food and they don't have DoorDash. They have to make the food. And there's a lot of things that need to be done. And you got to direct this and direct this. And so Martha has taken upon her. She must be the oldest sister. And she here is now looking. I got to do this and I got to do this. And so when Jesus is here, there's Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. And Jesus is teaching her and she's eating it up. She's just hungry for it. He's just teaching and teaching. Now in my mind, uh, because of the architecture where I lived at in Arizona, I could imagine like a, a round doorway. And I could imagine Martha going from one room to the next. And every time she would look, she would see there's Jesus and there's, there's Mary. And Mary's looking at Jesus. And every time Martha goes by, she gives her the evil eye. I mean, I'm doing all this work. She's sitting there and it's just bothering. Every time she goes by, she's just sitting there doing nothing. Doesn't she realize all this work that needs to be done? I mean, the dishes need to be done. The, uh, the food needs to be prepared. The table needs to be set. All of this needs to be taken care of. And there she is just sitting there. Finally, Martha has enough. And you can imagine with an attitude on her face and Stomping into the room and breaking up the lesson. Jesus, she goes up to there and says, Lord, dost thou not care? That's something to say to Jesus. You don't even care that I'm doing all the work and she's sitting there like a bomb. Sounds like my kid's fighting. <laughs> Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her or make her, therefore, that she come help me. I'm doing all the burden alone and she's just sitting there and I'm doing all the work. I'm doing all this time to serve you. Notice what Jesus says to her in verse 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful. The word careful carries with it the idea of worried or anxious. You're worried and anxious and troubled about many things. And it was obvious. She come in and she's all frazzled. Lord, I'm doing all this work and she's doing nothing. Martha, it's obvious that you're pretty upset right now. But let me teach you something. <laughs> 
One thing is needful. I, I know you're doing a lot of things and you've got a lot of things in your mind, but let me tell you, one thing is needful. And what is this? Mary had chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Martha, let me tell you something. She's doing what she should be doing. She's spending time with me. And if we'd be honest, this is how we usually go. So often we are so busy doing things for God that we fail to spend time with God. The one thing is needful. What is the whole purpose of prayer? To spend time with God. Remember Jesus is praying differently and his disciples are saying, teach us to pray like you pray. Well, if you want your prayers to be different, learn to talk with God. Too often we talk at God. We rarely talk with God. There's a difference. So many times we give God a laundry list. God, before I get home today, I want the laundry done. I want the dishes done. I want the dog washed. And I want the cat walked. And I expect it to be home by, done by the time I get home. We give God a laundry list of things that we want Him to do. Instead, we should be using this time that I get to talk with God. When's the last time you actually asked Him, how's your day? God, how are you feeling? God, what's on your mind? God, what's breaking your heart? God, what are you concerned with today? Lord, what's on your agenda? Lord, are you having a good day? When's the last time you actually spent time talking with God instead of talking at God? If you want your prayer life to be different, learn to understand that the one thing is needful. What is the main purpose of prayer? It's to spend time with God. And you got a great medium. You could talk to God anytime you want. And when you learn that, you realize that I just don't have to have an emergency to talk with God. I could talk to God whenever I want. Having a hard time sleeping? Hey God, how are you doing today? I know it's nighttime for me, but what's going on for you? How are you feeling? You know, you can actually get in a conversation with the Lord. Now, I'm not telling you you're going to hear voices or you're going to have angels sing, oh, or you're going to have a bright light shine on you. But you understand it's just as if it was an audible voice that you can have a conversation with the Lord. Sometimes we just have to learn to be quiet. Sometimes we just got to speak to Him. When's the last time you went to prayer and you didn't need a thing? You just want to say, hey, God, I just want to check on you. How you doing? The one thing is needful. What made Jesus' prayer different? Is that he actually talked with his father. The one thing that was needful. As we go on to chapter number 11. Remember the context is that the disciples have asked Jesus. Jesus teach us to pray like you prayed. He's not asking to teach us to pray. Don't teach us words to say. We want you to pr pray. We want to learn how to pray just like you prayed. So we understand the motive for praying. That there's something different. We see that there's one thing that's needful. The main purpose of prayer is to be with him. Notice there's a second thing here. We find our model for praying. Our model for praying. In verses 2 through 4, 
is often miscalled the Lord's Prayer. But this has never been the Lord's Prayer. Jesus never prayed this prayer. But in fact, he gave it to us as a model prayer. Later on, he also gave us the warning not to use repetitious words, meaning that we're not supposed to use the same words over and over and over so they lose their meaning. So this isn't just some token prayer that we say just to, to pass away our, our fears. He's trying to teach us something through this prayer to make us pray differently. So notice with me in verse number 2, chapter 11, verse 2. So in direct response to their question, he said to them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven so on earth. Then notice in verse number three there's an understood you there. So you're still making God the direct address. God you give us day by day our daily bread. And God you forgive us our sins for we forgive everyone else that is indebted to us. And you God lead us not in temptation but you God deliver us from evil. What is this model for praying? It's all about God. Go back and think about your prayers and how much of your prayers are all about you. Lord, I feel bad today. Lord, I need money today. Lord, I need things today. Lord, and sometimes they're good things. Lord, I need wisdom today. Lord, I need strength today. But how much of our prayers are centered on us? Lord, save so-and-so today. Why? Because it'll make me feel better. Most of our prayers are all about us. If you want to pray differently, learn to pray to the Lord all about Him. Lord, I'm praying that so-and-so will get saved so that way you will be pleased, so you will be honored. Lord, we're praying that you will finance your house so that way you get the glory from it, you get the credit from it. It should be all about the Lord. Lord, what would you have me to do today? Lord, I want to be pleasing to you. It should be all about God. So many times our prayers are all about us. Even those who say, well, I don't like to pray for myself. So often even us not praying for ourselves ends up being selfish. And it's not about God. Make it all about Him. How can I please you? How can you be honored through this? What would you like me to do so I could be pleasing to you? Notice the direct things. When you pray, say, Our Father which are in heaven. We know who we're talking to. Hallowed be thy name. Meaning that hallowed is the idea, holy is your name. Lord, I'm coming to you and I'm worshiping you. How many times do we start our prayers and actually take time to talk to God and say, God, how great you are. How wonderful you are. How amazing you are. How holy you are. How right you are. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Whose kingdom? God's kingdom. Lord, I'm praying that you will get your work done on this earth. I'm praying that your will get accomplished. Your will is done. Lord, I want whatever you want. Not my will, but thine will. What is it that you want to get accomplished? Then notice as it goes on. Lord, you give us day by day our daily bread. Now, this is a hard prayer for us to pray in America because our prayers usually go like this. Lord, I need a new microwave. Thank you. And then we go to Walmart and go pick it up. 
We don't know what it means to be dependent upon God. And by the way, that's half the reason why we don't pray effectively. It's because we really don't need. We're not dependent upon God. Well, Lord, I want some KFC today. Well, I didn't get the KFC. Oh, well. We're not dependent. We're not desperate. You understand? We're not dependent upon him. We're so self-dependent that we don't need him. This is why Jesus said later on, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich person to get saved. Why? Rich people do not need God. And by the way, we're all rich. If you own a car, you are the top 10% or 11% of wealth in this world. We're rich. And we don't need God. When's the last time you needed God to supply a meal or you were going to die? Probably not a lot of us have ever been in that place. Most of us could probably miss a whole lot more meals and we'd still be fine. Give us day by day our daily bread. When we can learn to be dependent upon God for all of our needs, we watch God to provide more, but we will pray differently. George Mueller prayed in equivalent to $2 billion for his orphanage. He prayed every day for food for those orphanages because he didn't have food. And God supplied it all the time. He was someone who knew he had to get up in the morning and be right with God because he had to have those prayers answered. Half the reason why we're not right with God is because we don't need our prayers answered. If you really needed your prayers answer, you knew that you would have to get right with God. You'd fix some things in your life. We're just not dependent upon God. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that's indebted to us. Oh, taking care of bitterness. Jesus has forgiven us, yet we still have a hard time forgiving others. Lord, help me to forgive others because you've forgiven me. I, there should be no reason why I should still be mad at so-and-so because of what they did when I was four years old. We should be able to forgive because God has forgiven us. And Lord, lead us not to temptation. Hey, left to my own devices, I'm capable of anything at any time. I need you to keep me away from temptation because I am not strong enough. But deliver us from evil. All of that is saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. That's one of the reasons why our prayers are so wimpy. Is because we don't need God. What changes in our prayer life when we have to go to God and it's all about Him and we put our dependence upon Him? It changes how we pray. Adding to that idea of dependence, notice this. We see our motive for praying. We see that one thing is needful, our model for praying. But notice this, our need for praying. Our need for praying. Notice with me in verse number 5. And he, Jesus, said to him, to them, the disciples, he's still continuing with the same context. What is the context? They have asked Jesus to teach us to pray like you prayed. It's not just how to pray, how to pray like you prayed. We want to pray differently. We want to pray more effectively. We want to pray like you. So Jesus says, all right, let me teach you some things. Verse number five, and he said to them, which of you shall have a friend 
and shall go to unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in his journey, has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are now with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. So here's the story. That someone comes unexpected in the middle of the night to a person's house. And the person has nothing to set before him. He has no bread, nothing, and the man's hungry. So he says, you know what? I don't have anything, but my neighbor has something. So, hey, neighbor! And most of us, if someone came at midnight to go ask for a cup of sugar, you would turn them away. Stop! What are you doing bothering me? We wouldn't be happy about it. Hey! Get up! I need some bread! Hey! 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 some bread. Hey, hey, come on. Hey. And it says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity. So the guy finally gets up, not because they're friends and they're not friends right now, but he's doing it to get him to shut up because he's not going to go away. Now, some people misteach this and they use the word importunity. The word importunity carries the idea of a constant knocking. Uh, and they say, if you keep bothering God and keep harassing God, he'll finally get tired of you. No, no, it's not what it's teaching. Why is the guy bothering his friend at midnight? Because there's nowhere else to go. There's no quick trip. There's no Walmart. There's no Burger King. There's no Taco Bell. There's nowhere else to go. And when you get desperate and you have to have God answer your prayers or you die, you pray a whole lot differently. When you say, God, you have to save my father. You have to save my father, Lord. You're, if he doesn't, he's going to go to hell. You know, if you were really concerned, you would keep praying because you know that was the only answer that you had. It changes the way that you prayed. Most of the time we pray, Lord, go ahead and save so-and-so. And if you don't, oh, well, no skin off my back. And we wouldn't say that out loud, but... That's how we pray. Lord, go ahead and save so-and-so. Cool. If you don't, meh. We're not desperate. Lord, you have to save so-and-so. Because if they don't, they're going to die and go to hell. And your name, you saved them. You sent your blood for them. We would change the way that we prayed if we learned how to get desperate for God. And say, God, you're the only one who can do this. You're the only one who can get this accomplished. Without you, we can't get it done. Lord, I need you. It changes the way we pray. And the reason why our prayers are so wimpy. The way our prayers are so empty that you could almost say them out loud and you're not even thinking of them. It's because we're not desperate. We're not going to God like he's the only one. That, and if he doesn't answer it, it's the end. We don't go to God like that. And we're missing out. What made Jesus' prayer different? Because he could talk to his father and say, this needs to happen. 
or it's all going to fall apart. Lord, if you don't work with these men, it's not going to get done. There was something to the way that he prayed. And he's trying to teach his disciples that you need to get a hold of God. And it shouldn't be, Lord, as people pray so wimpy. Lord, if it's your will, we give God an escape clause. You should know what God's will. Lord, you're not willing that any should perish and he die. And you died for that person. And, and again, you're not being mean to God, but you're being matter of fact. I'm standing on God's promise. Lord, you have to save him or your name is going to be marred. You died for him. Lord, if you don't change him, Lord, you made a promise and you called upon it. And Lord, if that's all, we need to get desperate for our prayers. And we're not. We have wimpy prayers. We have take it or leave it prayers. We have half-hearted prayers. We got it would be nice type prayers. And we wonder why things don't get accomplished. Our God has power. It's not God's power that's the problem. It's our wimpy prayers. Lack of faith. Lack of desperation. Lack of realizing that God can get it done. We move to that to our promise of prayer. A promise of prayer. Here Jesus gives us three promises of prayer. Notice with me if you don't mind. In verse number 9. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For every one that asketh receiveth. Notice there's no clause there. Everyone that prays, God promised to answer that prayer. He promised. You know why we pray so wimpy? Because we believe that God doesn't answer prayer. God promised to answer every prayer. Everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be open. God made three promises of prayer. That's just one. God promised to answer every prayer. Now I understand it's a different lesson about how prayer works. But God promised to answer every prayer. Our understanding of how prayer works is sometimes faulty. But let me tell you. God promised to answer every prayer. He promised to answer every prayer. And if you believe that, you would pray more. If you actually believe that God answered prayer, you would pray more. That's why we don't pray as much, because we don't believe God answers prayer. God promised to answer every prayer. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For every one that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. There is no qualifier here. We take God at his word as it's written. God promised to answer every prayer. Notice there's a second promise to prayer. He promised to give us, not to give us less than we ask for. Notice in verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? So let's imagine my son come up to me. Dad, I'm hungry. Can you give me some bread? And I say, you know, I can see you're hungry. Here, take this. And I give him a stone. If he looks at it, is that what he asked for? Is that stone going to help his hunger? No. So, as a father, am I smart enough not to do that to my child? All right. 
For, every, um, for if a son shall ask any of you that's a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Hey, my son comes up, Dad, I'm hungry. Uh, can I have some fish? Fish is abundant. Fish is our staple food. Can I, can I have some fish? Hey, you know what? I can tell you're hungry. Here you go. Here's a snake. Is that the same thing? Is that what he's desiring to eat right there at the moment? It's probably not what he even wants to hold. That's not what he asked for. Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? He looks at me and says, listen, you're not giving me what I want. Can I at least have an egg? Oh, I got something for you. And I put a scorpion in his hand. Here, hold that. Don't move. Is that what he asked for? No. Then if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, notice this, each of those things are lesser than. I as a father, if my son's hungry, I'm not going to give him some bricks. I'm going to give him some food. I'm not going to give him less than what he asked for. So the first promise of prayer is that God promised to answer every prayer. The second promise of prayer is that he promised never to give us less than what we asked for. That's encouraging. He will not give us less than we asked for. But notice this. Verse 13. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, unto your children, how much more? Shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? How much more? God promised to answer every prayer. Promised not to give us less than we asked for. But instead, promised to give us much more than we asked for. Hey, if you want to be motivated to prayer, this is it. God promised to answer every prayer. Promised never to give us less than we asked for. But promised to give us much more than we asked for. That should motivate you to pray because God will answer. And He knows how to give good gifts unto His children. He knows what He is doing. He knows what we need. He just wants us to ask. There's something about being a father. You know there are some times that my father or my kids can ask something that they don't need. But because they want it. If they just ask me and I have the ability to give it to them, I'll give it to them because I love them. Our Father is willing to give us some wants as well. If He has the ability, if it's going to be good for us. Now, there's times that they say, no, if my daughter comes up and says, Dad, can I have 20 pounds of chocolate to eat tonight? I'm probably going to say no. Why? Because it's not good for her. And as a father, I'm looking out for her. I'm, I, I'm being a good father. All right, if <laughs> my daughter who is getting her license on Friday says, Dad, I want a red Lamborghini, I'm going to say no. Because I don't have the ability to give to her and it's not going to be good for her. Okay? But our Father knows how to give good gifts and give us much more than we ask for. And that if you go to your Father, just sometimes just going to your Father and asking, He's willing to go because He's our Father. And he's able to give us good gifts unto his children and give us much more than we ask for. So here are the three promises of prayer. Jesus promised that to always answer prayer, to answer every prayer. Everyone that asketh receiveth. Now, that's a different lecture again that how our understanding of prayer works. Works, but God promised to answer every prayer. He promised never to give us less than we ask for. And he always promised to give us much more than we ask for. That's a great promise as a prayer. That should motivate us to pray even more and to pray differently to go to our Father who wants to give us gifts. You know, sometimes my kids don't want to ask me something because they're afraid I'm not going to give it to them. So they said, not asking. So often we do that too. 
I had a, one of my spiritual fathers said that he could imagine he goes to heaven and when he goes to heaven, one of the angels said, here, I'm going to take you on a tour. It takes him to a warehouse and opens up the warehouse and shows him all the wonderful things inside. And the guy's like, man, I could have used this. And oh, that would have been great. And that would have been great. And he goes, why are you showing me all this? And the angel said, these are all the things your father had waiting for you if you just asked for them. He says, I'd hate to go up to heaven and find all the, that warehouse of all the things I could have had. But I didn't because I didn't ask. He was willing to give to me. We have a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. Notice there's one more thing about prayer. We started with our motive for praying and understood that there was one thing needful to speak with God. We see the model of prayer, our need for praying, our promise for praying. And then notice this, our answer to prayer. Our answer to prayer. Notice with me in verse 13. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Now notice this. We notice that God gives us what we ask for. What were they asking for? Well, what they received. What did they receive? The Holy Spirit. So what did they ask for? The Holy Spirit. And remember the Holy Spirit's God. Notice with me if you don't mind to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Let me show you this. Jesus is the answer to our prayers. You understand that when you have Jesus, you have everything you need. When you have Jesus, you also have finances. When you have Jesus, you also have wisdom. When you have Jesus, you also have understanding. When you have Jesus, you also know the right step to take. It's having Jesus. Notice with me the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. By the way, he is what? Him that cometh to God must believe that he is God. That God is God. And that he, God, is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What are the people diligently seeking? God. So what is their reward? God. God is the answer to our prayer. Sometimes we forget that. What happens and the problem with our prayer is that we often seek God's hand before we seek his face. That so often we seek what God can do for us rather than trying to be with God ourselves. And we miss out on so much. Because we just want God to be our slave. We want God to be our servant. We want God to be our Santa Claus in the sky. To grant our wishes. He is God. We are not. But he is a good God who loves his children. But the purpose of prayer is to be with him. And if we would seek God more. We would have God more. And when we have God more. We would already have the other things we need. Let me tell you, your greatest need tonight is not finances. Your greatest need is God. Your greatest need tonight is not a new car. Your greatest need is God. Your greatest need is not for your loved one to get saved. Your greatest need is God. But when you have God, those other things come. We make, so many times we have the wrong goal. Our goal is to get the brand new car. No, our goal should be God. And when we have God, we have a good father who will give good gifts to his children. 
We need to seek after God. That God is the goal. That it begins with God. It all ends with God. God is the goal. He's the one that we should be seeking for. We should not be making lesser things the goal. And that is the problem of our prayer is that we try to talk at God rather than talk with God. Our problems with our prayers that we're trying to get things from God rather than spend time with God. Our problem with our prayers is that we seek God's hand before we seek his face. When's the last time you just spent time with God? We're needy people. And we go God with needs all the time. And because of that, we often miss the most wonderful thing that salvation has to offer to you. Let me tell you, salvation, being forgiven of our sins is a wonderful thing, but that is not the best benefit. The best benefit is that you get to talk to God as often and as long as you want. And he is never too busy for you. We have a personal God who wants to spend time with us. Who wants to be with us. Who has done so much with us. If you could imagine because God is eternal and he has time for each one of us. How bored is God waiting for that phone call from you? Maybe he'll call now. Maybe he'll just call. Maybe he'll talk to me. I just want him to talk to me. God just wants to spend time with you. And yet we get so busy, we can't even spend time with God. And that was the whole purpose of prayer in the first place. Why did God create man in the first place? For fellowship. What broke fellowship? Sin. Jesus died to restore that fellowship. And that fellowship includes prayer. God sent Jesus to die on the cross so you can talk with God yourself. And we have this great privilege and we neglect it so much that we fail to spend time with God and we wonder how come things aren't working out. Because God's trying to do things in our life to get our attention to say, you need me, you need me, you need me. We wonder why things are falling apart. We have all these prayer requests. Because he's trying to get you to finally talk to him. Spend time with me. Spend time with me. Jesus finished praying. And his disciples looked up and said, we want to pray like that. And Jesus took time to teach them this principle. Be with the Father. Talk with Him. It changes and revolutionizes your whole prayer life. If you learn to be with Him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.